This announcement is for the women of the church. On November 25th, we'll be having another Cultivate event. This is a monthly event for women of all ages. There will be food, fun, and fellowship. You can sign up by going to fbccookville.org slash cultivate. This is a great opportunity to get together with other women of the church. You do not want to miss it. My second announcement is Noel. Our annual Christmas program called Noel, the Divine Ministry, will be on December 8th at 6 p.m. Our music ministry will be leading us in a time of worship centered around Christ's birth and the work he did on the cross. Following the program, we will be having our annual fellowship called The Gathering. If you can please bring your favorite finger food dish and come ready to eat some great food, make sure and invite your friends and neighbors to this great night of worship and fellowship. Those are the announcements I have for today. Make sure and look at the Chronicles for other opportunities. I'm so thankful to be worshiping with you today. I pray this service would encourage you and challenge you to live more for Christ in your day-to-day life. Good morning. So good to see you on this uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving. As we uh, should live every day as a day of Thanksgiving because of all that God's done for us. We look forward to celebrating a special day this week. We are glad you're here this morning. Uh, We uh, would like to mention that if you have not yet done your shoebox, or if you'd like to do another shoebox, Brenda will be carrying uh, whatever boxes are here tomorrow to the river. That'll be our last day. So if you uh, feel led to do that, uh, they'll be out in the uh, central lobby. And uh, you can go do that shoebox, and uh, that'll be sent uh, overseas to children who will not receive anything. So uh, make mind of that. We are glad you're here this morning. We're going to stand right now and greet one another in the name of the Lord.
that, oh, this is working now. We're having problems with this. All right. So I'm on this one. <laughs> Scott, was this made for you this low? <laughs> Somebody else. All right. Let me turn that up a little bit there. All right. We're going to just put that away right there and keep going. All right. Um, as we have kind of, well, we haven't turned the page yet. See, I'm all messed up because Thanksgiving is a week later than what it normally is. I usually think it's last Thursday. But we're about to turn the page to, uh, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Um, and this morning we want to just go ahead. I know it's before Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit early. Uh, but we sang that song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, you know, the, the people back in that day were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone to come and save them. And God parted history. He parted time and sent his son as a baby. He took off his robes of righteousness and became a man uh, to, to lead us, to guide us, to love us. Um, and really to become our everything. So the thing we've got to understand and, and realize as we go through life uh, is that Christ is all that we have and he's all that we need. Let's continue as we sing, All I Have is Christ.
you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that you are all that we have, uh, Lord, because you're all that we need. And Lord, I know that we are distracted many times by the things that we have, the uh, the goals we try to attain, the um, God, Lord, the, the trinkets and baubles that we just that we pursue after, Lord, new things and things that we think will make us happy. Uh, Lord, that tends to cloud the, the one overall thing that we need, and that is you. And Lord, may that song, just as we've sung it, Lord, remind us that you are all that we have and all that we really need, because all that really matters is what we do with you. Lord, one day we will be around your throne worshiping with, with all of creation. Lord, that we'll we'll visibly see them and join in the chorus of worshiping you. And God, it'll be in that moment that we truly understand that what we did with you on this earth is really the only thing that matters. So God, this morning, would that just take root in our hearts? Lord, that, that the choices we make with you last eternity. And God, may it change us. May it change us. To know and, and to see you and who you are and, and the love that you, that you gave us, Lord, as you came to this earth uh, and lived for us. You, you performed miracles. You healed us. You died for us and you rose again. Lord, you showed such a deep, deep love that we will never fully, completely understand it. But we can sing about it. We can praise you for it. We can worship you for it. And, Lord, as we continue on, I pray that we will understand of your deep love. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we just thank you so much that your wounds did pay our ransom, Lord. That without you, we would be destined for an eternity in hell. But you have changed that. You changed that over 2,000 years ago, and we thank you so much for it. And Lord, we, like I said earlier, we'll never fully understand how deep and how wide and how vast your love is. But we can enjoy it, and we can keep digging, and we can keep learning more and more about you and, and understanding how great you are. So, Lord, as we continue on this service, as the choir sings, Lord, may we just uh, be awe, in awe of your greatness and of your, of your mightiness. And, Lord, how, um, how wonderful you are. Uh, so, Lord, be with us as we continue in worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, today is, uh, somebody said this morning, said, Pastor, I see you're preaching on two chapters today. I said, aren't you glad you came today to clock service? And they know I've got to be done by time for, for small groups. But y'all came to the uh, 1045 service, so we've got plenty of time to cover two chapters today. Amen? Now that was weak. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are going to walk through Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. And over the last uh, couple months, we've been looking at what, it, what it's like to know God and how you and I can have a closer, more intimate, more personal relationship with God. And uh, I want to know God in every aspect, every way I can. And we've really focused in, over the last three weeks, we've focused in on worship. And, and what is, what, what is worship all about? And, and how, how do we, uh, how do we worship God? And there is absolutely no place in all of scripture that I have come to more repetitively in my life and, and more impactfully in my life than right here in, in Revelation chapter four and chapter five that just really draws my heart, tunes me into worship. And, and I want to share that with you this morning. You know, goals are very important in our lives. It's so important that we have a goal that we are trying to attain and achieve. Without a goal, we, we may wander aimlessly in this world. But when we have a goal, like uh, I would compare it to an athlete. Uh, an athlete has a goal. An athlete has a finish line, has a competition. There's some, some benchmark for every athlete that they are working towards. So they set a goal to perform well, and they know what the end result looks like. They know what the medal looks like. or that they got that finish line in mind. And, and, and it's better when we have something that you and I can grasp that, that gives us a vision of what victory looks like. And uh, so I, I come to Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 when I think about worship. Because it gives me a picture of that finish line of my faith, of what, what the victory is going to look like when we are truly in the presence of Jesus. So I, I think about this text, and, and it brings me to that understanding. Uh, we, we need a vision. We, we need vision in our life. Scripture tells us where there is no vision, people perish. So we want to want to have something to look forward to. We want to have have something to set our sights on, and we need to have that victory in our life. So today I want to share with you from these two chapters two two simple points this morning. The first is that God gives us a glimpse of glory. In this text, we get a glimpse of God's glory, and, and as we walk through life and and we we walk through life together, we we see that we we have the opportunity in life. To gear up for glory. So we, we have a glimpse of glory from these two chapters. And, and you and I can gear up for the glory, the presence of God. And, and I just I hope that by the time you leave here this morning, that in your heart you are, you're focused on worship, more focused on worship. You see worship differently. 
uh, with a new perspective and uh, that you're, you're, uh, you're more, more pointed and, and you've got a vision of what that finished line of our faith looks like. So if you will stand with me. I'm not going to read both chapters to begin with, but we will read chapter 4 and then later in the sermon I'll move through chapter 5. Revelation chapter 4 says this. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunders. Thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature, like a calf. The third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Father in heaven, we thank you for this text, God, that that we can gather this morning in your presence, and, and Lord, we can set our sights on you. Father, I pray that as we, as we are walking through this text this morning, Lord, you'll, you'll set a mental image in our hearts and our minds, Father, so that we can see that which we need to see, God, understand that which we need to understand, to point our lives towards worship of you. Father, I know that you've appointed this time for us to come together and study your word. Lord, I just ask, me, ask you, Lord, that you would anoint me with your power to preach your word, Father, to those whom you love and to touch their hearts eternally this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've accomplished on our behalf. We want to praise you this morning. And we say this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So we see here that Jesus, through the text of Revelation, he gives us this glimpse of glory, this, uh, this little glimpse. It's, it's not, a, not a long display. We don't have a lot of intricate detail, but we have a glimpse into glory and, and what, what it looks like in heaven. Everything, not, not some things, not most things, everything that we read in this text is pointed very deliberately to the throne of God. Now, 
I probably should have called it out as we started, and I started reading this text. So just notice how many times the word throne is mentioned. In these 11 verses in chapter 4 that I read just now, there's 13 times that the word throne is mentioned. So uh, that gives me a good indication that there's, there's something I need to pick up here. This repetitive conversation about the throne of God. And we've got the throne of the living God is the central focus of this text. And not only in this chapter, the next chapter I'll read in a moment, five more times the throne is mentioned in just a few verses. And in the entirety of Revelation, throne is the key principle and interest of the whole text. It just focuses towards the throne. So John brings forth an attempt. He makes an attempt to reveal to me and to reveal to you the importance of worship around the throne. And, and he, he, he describes what this throne looks like. Now, I've, I've, I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there, where we saw something in life or experienced something in life that, yes, the, the language which we have is uh, somewhat capable of conversing and explaining what we've seen. But, but you know what I'm talking about when I say there's sometimes that you encounter something in life You've experienced something in life, but really words don't really grasp what you've seen. You can try your best to explain it. Kind of like the birth of a child. When, when, you, when you hold a newborn baby and, and you think of all that's taken place to get to this point and all that will come in the life of that child, you, you think about it. You think, you know, here, here we are, God intricately designed this being. And Psalm 139 tells us that before your mother and father even knew it, that he had intricately designed. So life begins at conception for a child and, and carries through its life. And, and you hold that and you think of all the possibilities. And, and honestly, when you start thinking about that, it's really difficult to capture all of that with words. I'll never forget holding my, my first child, my second child, and, and my third child as a baby. And, and, and you just couldn't put those things in words. You just couldn't do it. I, I've, I've seen sunsets and sunrises that they literally just leave me in awe. And, and it's almost impossible to take the human language and, and really put to words that which has been seen and experienced. Other things captivate me and you. We've seen things that we have a hard time really putting the words. I like the, the, the one you love. To really express with the human language how deep your love is for a person who sits beside you in life. It's almost impossible to put all of that to words. Now, as we read this text, what we see is we see that, that John, he, he has seen something that is beyond words, really. It's, it's almost impossible for John to take the human language and, and, and really describe that to us or, or speak about it. It's beyond his ability. and It's beyond what he's ever seen. It's beyond anything he's ever heard. And, and we knew this would happen because if we just look in the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 9, it'll be on the screen, tells you this. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Well, I thought it was going to be on the screen, but it didn't get there. But if you grasp what I just said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, things which are beyond our imagination. We, we've never experienced the things 
which we will see when we get to heaven. And, and God, God's revealing that through, it, uh, through John's revelation as he speaks and he tries to explain it. And, and you're like, well, what, do you, what do you really mean? And, and you look into the text here. You see here in, in, in Revelation 4 where it says after, notice the scene in heaven, what's going on. After these things I looked, he says in verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven. And one sitting on that throne, he, he begins to try to describe God. So he says this. He, he doesn't give an elaborate display. To, you know, he's got brown hair and it's, uh, it's long and flowing and he's six foot three. And, you know, he, he doesn't go through any kind of description like that. He, he knows that, that words really won't describe that or encapsulate that. So what he says is this. He says, and he, and he who was sitting was like jasper stone, like a jasper stone, like, and, and a sardius in, in appearance. So you got a, you got a jasper stone, you got a sardius, and I'm telling you, the jasper stone, if you just, I'm not, I'm not a rock expert, okay? There are people in the room that know a whole lot more about rocks than I do. But just on a quick uh, study of the jasper stone, one thing you'll notice about a jasper stone is, one, it is, is beautiful. Most of the time it has some red color to it because of iron. But if you go around the world, you can find jasper stones in an array of colors that run from the reds to the blues to the greens to purple. I mean, just an array of color. And, but they're all so beautiful. It's a foundation stone. And, and, and the way it's, it's created and, and how it just looks, you just got to Google it. I, I can't, I see, I can't even tell you about it. It's so awesome. But Google is good, right? Yeah, for some things. So you can Google it and see a picture of a, of a jasper stone. And sardius, and, is that stone, a, a sardius stone is, is red in its color. And, and when I read that and I think, okay, John's trying to describe God to me. And one of the things I recognize is that we are made in God's image, all of us. I am, you are, we are all made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says that. Let us make mankind in our own image. Uh, God's, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are speaking, and they decide to make us like them. And when I think about the jasper stone, I think about the, the difference as you go around the world, the differences in how that stone looks. And as I travel around the world, I, I see people look different. And I think it's a good representation. God's a representation of us. We're a representation of God. And, and we see how we, we look, we're different. And there's, there's differences in a jasper stone. And, but the thing that's the common bond of it all is that he's sardius. He's a sardius stone. See, he's, he's a red stone. And the red blood of Christ is that which purifies all of us and takes our sin and eliminates our sin before the King of kings and the Lord of lords when we receive the gift of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So John doesn't give a physical description as some of us may would like. Would you just tell us, John, exactly what he looks like, you know? Uh, He doesn't give us that, but he does give us so much that we understand about this this God that he's sitting in the presence of and looking at. And, And not only does he do that, he tells us a little bit more about the throne room. He says... Right after that, he says, and there was a rainbow around the throne. Now, that's, that's really interesting. There's a rainbow around the throne. I've seen rainbows. You've seen rainbows. I love to see a rainbow. You ever seen a double rainbow? Those are pretty. Anybody ever seen a triple rainbow? I would think that'd be really rare. Let me tell you one rarer than that. The rainbow in heaven is rarer than any rainbow. See, I've, I've ridden down the road, and I've seen where the rainbow starts and where the rainbow stops. I was riding down the road one day with my, one of my children, and, 
And, and it, there was this vivid rainbow out the window, out the dry, passenger side window. And, and they said, hey, look, Dad, God's still promising. And I said, yeah, because the rainbow reminds us of the covenant promise of God. But in heaven, the rainbow doesn't have an end. The rainbow is all around the throne. It's a complete rainbow, a complete circle around the throne. And, and it, 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 think about that now. The promises of God are met in fulfillment when we come into the presence of Jesus. When we, we see God face to face, we see how everything comes together. All the promises of God are complete. And we see that. So John, John says, man, let me just tell you about that rainbow. It's a full rainbow. You've never seen anything like it. It is beyond imagination. And then he goes on and he says, not only is there a rainbow like an emerald in appearance, but around the throne were 24 thrones. So we, we've got the, the thrones around there. And I'll come back to that, but I want to skip down to verse 5. It says, out of the throne came flashes of lightning. I can't think of anything in all of this world that I've seen that's more powerful than lightning. It's pretty dynamic. I mean, you think about the speed of lightning, the heat of lightning, the impact of lightning, and, and that which comes at the same time, peals of thunder. So from the throne of God, we have, with a rainbow surrounding it, we have God sitting on there like a stone. We see lightning coming out, and we hear the thunder roll around the throne. What, what a way to captivate and, and catch your attention. I think John's saying, man, this is remarkable. It's like, it, it's like a, the piece of a rainbow, but it's like the storm of a cloud. It's just, it, and it draws you in. You look and, and you see, and then he goes on and says, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, can, I can sit back and just watch a fire for a bit. And seven fires were just around the throne and just kind of captivate them. The flames dancing around the throne. And what does that say about that? The fire around the throne, it, it's, fire's a purifier. It's a refiner's fire. And it's showing the purity of that around the throne. And, and he, he doesn't end there. He says there's also, get this, before the throne there was something, verse 6, something. Not, not this. But let me just tell you, as close as I can get, John says, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. There's something like that. It, Guys, it's beyond my words to describe, but I, I saw all these things, and then around it was this sea, like crystal. It's, it's so pure, so beautiful, so amazing. It's beyond words. I just can't quite get it all together. And, and all of these pictures, these word pictures that John's given us, reveal that what John witnessed and everything that he witnessed was surrounding and, in, and pointing towards the throne of God. And God is truly the center of heaven. Everything in heaven was focused on God. And not only was it around God, but everything in heaven was about the worship of God. So if we, we just look at the text here, look at verse 24 with me. Around the throne, I mean verse 40, around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. So what we've got is we've got these 24 thrones surrounding the throne of God. Everybody is pointing towards. So I, I just, it's okay if you close your eyes for a moment. I won't think you're sleeping this time. I want you to think through this. You've got in your mind, if you just think through this, this throne. And everything's pointing towards the throne. And, and in this throne, you've got God sitting there on this throne. He, he's He's like Jasper, like a Jasper stone. He's like Sardius 
and, and there's lightning flashing out, and there's thunder coming out, and there's a rainbow all the way around it, and there's 24 thrones positioned around this, all pointing towards God, and there are elders sitting on there, and they're wearing white garments, and they've got gold crowns on their head. Now, that's a good picture. That's the best picture that John could give us of what's, what it looks like in heaven, the, the, the physical aspect, the appearance of what's in heaven. But it goes from that to the activity of heaven. See, there are elders on this throne, these thrones, and you've you got you to grasp this now. He says there that there's these 24 elders with gold crowns on their head. Verse 6, the last half of verse 6 says, And in the center, so this is inside of those 24 thrones, in the center around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, full of eyes, Front and behind. You just thought mama had eyes in the back of her head. Amen? These jokers have got eyes all the way around them. They can see it all. So let's move towards the activity of heaven. We see these creatures are, are gathered around. It's kind of positioned on the four corners of the throne. These, these created creatures that have eyes all around them. And he even gives us a little descriptor of them. He says the first one's like a lion. Like, I mean, I know, I know what a lion looks like. This is like a lion. The, the second one, he says, is like a calf. The third creature is like, had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature is like an eagle flying. So there's, there's some, there's, it's similar, but not yet that. But he's given us this picture. And, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we could spend a long time in this text. I'm giving you an overview of what worship looks like in heaven. That's my intent. I'd love to just preach on those four creatures. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of significance in that. I'm going to move on so that we don't spend a lot of time there. But you've got these four creatures that John's saying. They're like this. And each one of them, verse 8, says, Having six wings full of eyes around and within, they, they've got eyes. They can see it all. And in what they can see... You see the result of what they've seen. Listen to what it says. And day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. See, these, these creatures that are full of eyes and they're continually, continually never ceasing to say, Holy, holy, holy. They're, they're, this is continually happening in heaven right now. They're saying, Holy, holy, holy. While I'm preaching, they're saying that. That's happening right now in heaven. I mean, right now. This is hot off the press. It's happening right now. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy. They can see everything. They've got eyes all the way around. That's a pretty good perspective. You know, I've got some blind sides. There's some things I can't see. They've been doing this since time started. And they say, who was, who is, and who is to come. I want you to think with me about that. These created creatures sitting on the four corners of the throne of God have eyes all around them. They can see. They've seen everything. They saw, they've seen everything that's ever happened. So they can say with a knowing heart, He was. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. He was. 
And he is. They said, I see him still doing the work of, of heaven. He's still on the throne. He's still accomplishing the work every day, regardless of your situation, regardless of, of your shortcoming, your failure, regardless of the struggle you're going through. God is still on the throne. And he's still sitting there. He, he's positioned on the throne. He is still doing all that God's always done. God is a redeemer. God is a lover of mankind. He is, he, he's reaching out to us. And they are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because he, he always has done that. He was. And he is still doing that. And with the eyes that they have all around them, they see that he's going to continue doing that into eternity. So they are worshiping Him because He is a holy, holy God. So we see this activity happening around heaven with these, these created beings. And, and, and they're, just, they're, they're seeing all that's happening. So we, not only do we see that, we see as we continue through that um, the, the elders are there. Notice what happens after these four created creatures say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Verse 9 says, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, notice what happens. It says in verse 10, The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. So notice the activity that's going on in heaven. Just, just close. This is, this is the throne room of grace. This is the, the inner circle of heaven. We've got everything's pointing to the throne. The throne is, is, the, is the point of central. It's the central point. It's the point of everything's coming to it. And you've got these four creatures, and as they're crying out, holy, 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 you've got the 24 elders sitting around them. They are getting up off their throne, and they are prostrate before God. They are casting their crowns before God, and they're recognizing the holiness of God, how He created everything, how everything existed because of His will and continues to exist because of His will. And they are in awe of who He is, and they are continually worshiping God. I want you to not miss this point. The created creatures... From the created creatures that are worshiping God all the way to the crown of creation is worshiping God in heaven right now. From the created creatures, these four creatures that are created on the post of the throne, they are, they're worshiping God. And from them to the, to the elders, the 24 elders, well, who is the crown of creation? Mankind. God created us at the crown of his creation and said it was very good when he created us. He loves us. He made us. He intends for us to worship Him. He calls us into the privilege of worship. This is the activity of heaven. And if that's going on, if that's the activity that's going on in heaven, it's got to set us into this position where we say, Wow, out of all the activities that could be going on in heaven, they're not playing golf. Sorry. They're not hunting the elusive whitetail. Sorry, guys. There's several other things that you might like to do. That's not the activity that's being discussed here. The activity of heaven, of all that could be done in heaven, and all that could be proclaimed as being done in heaven, John in his revelation reveals to us that worship is going on in heaven. 
Worship is going on in heaven right now. Those created creatures are still worshiping God right now. The elders are falling down and worshiping God right now. That is the activity of heaven. It means that if that is the chosen and, and the response of these created creatures and the crown of creation is worship, then you and I should understand worship is important. And we should look at how can we, how can we get how can we get our lives more aligned to worship God? We've got a glimpse of glory, and, and this glimpse of glory should line us up desiring to worship God. What, what, what does that look like? How, how, do we, how do we move forward with this in our own personal lives? Because that's what's happening. Uh, he says they're worthy. They all say, the elders say, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things. See, they're giving Him glory for all the things He created. God created everything. There's absolutely nothing that came into creation apart from God. God created everything. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. It was God's will that you be created. It's God's will that you be created. We should desire to worship Him. It should be in our heart. We should have a longing to worship Him. I want to move to chapter 5 because I want to show you something very, very interesting here. Chapter 5 says, I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break the seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly, because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne. With the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp of golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom and priests to your, to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and all are under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. The four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Wow. 
See, what we've got here is in this heavenly scene is we've got that everything was focused completely on Jesus. So all the activity in heaven was about worshiping the one sitting on the throne. And Jesus, Jesus is the only one. The only one in heaven. There was no, nobody else in heaven. There was nobody that, nothing that had ever been created. There was nothing or no one that could open the seals of that book except for Jesus. And then we see every bit of worship focused on Jesus. It, it said there, it said there were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. That's like numbers I can't count times numbers I can't count and thousands more and thousands more. And it was like there's just no way to really understand the number of worshipers there were in heaven. And it's continuing as we speak, the worship of our King. See, there will come a time. There will come a time when you and me and everybody, and not just people, but everything that was created will worship God. What did Jesus say? And I think it was Luke 17, 18, something, somewhere in that, that range in, the, in Luke's Gospel says, and if, if we don't give Him praise, the rocks will cry out. Even the rocks will cry out. You know, an inanimate object shouldn't get the opportunity to praise the King that I'm called to praise. But if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out. And we see here that every living thing, every created thing, every single thing that was ever created by God is going to worship. I, I said in the first service, I said the gnats are fixing to worship Jesus here, okay? The dust bunnies are fixing to worship Jesus here, okay? Everything in this entire world is fixing to turn all of its praise to God. The rocks are going to cry out. Everything's fixing to cry out in this text. We see that straight to God saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Everything, everyone pointed at the King, giving him worship. Oh, and he's worthy. He's worthy of worship. So we see the activity of heaven. We understand also from Philippians chapter 2, we know that the Scriptures tell us that this is going to happen. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Having this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every, everybody, everything created in this world is going to look to Jesus. 
and give him praise and give him glory. So we, we understand that, that, that no one was able to open those scrolls except for Jesus. All of the activities in heaven, all of the, the, the whole picture that John gave, everything points to the throne. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are on the throne in, in heaven. And, and Jesus is the only one that's able to open the scrolls. And, and so we, we, out of a heart that understands that, uh, we, we get a glimpse into heaven. It's time for us now to, to, to see the opportunity for me and you to gear up for glory and, and get ready. It's just about us getting ready for glory. We need to gear up and get ready to go. We're going we're gonna to have our time in heaven. But until we get to heaven, we've got our time here on earth. And while we're on earth, we can prepare for worship. Over the last couple of weeks, I've talked to you about personal worship. What, what does personal worship look like? It's so important that I personally engage with God, that I, I recognize the value of personally engaging with God. And why is that? Because, see, I read about this Jesus who was the only one in heaven that was strong enough to break the seals. He was the only one. And, and because He is the only one, my, my life is, is tuned into Him. And, and I have a, a passion for Him because, see, I'm, I've been lost. I, I understood. I understood what it was like to live in sin and not be able to do anything to correct or change my sin. But a Redeemer, a Redeemer came out of heaven, took on flesh, lived as a man, lived sinless, died on a cross at Calvary, raised from the dead. And says, if you'll have faith in me, all who call upon me shall be saved. Redeemed. Sin eliminated. Done away with. We're, we're, we're changed, transformed, have a new heart. We, we go from death to life because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We're alive in Christ. So we, we're changed. We're transformed. So I have, a, I have a passion for this God who would love me so much that he would step out of heaven and come down to this earth and live for me and die for me and you and make a difference in my life eternally. So I've got a passion for him. And out of that passion, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And I, out of that passion that comes from that, that living and recognizing that he did something for me I couldn't do for myself, I learned more about him. I walked through life with him. I experienced the power of Jesus. I, I experienced the power of living in a resurrected life, living for him, dying to sin, living for Jesus. I, I understand the power of God. And out of the power of God, what it causes me to do, it causes me to praise God. So I, the passion in my heart and the power that I experience caused me to praise Jesus. And that's personal worship. You know the one thing that will hinder personal worship more than anything? Sin. Unconfessed sin. Living in sin separates us from the Father. And you know how to get rid of un, unconfessed sin? Confess it. Lay it before the Father and turn from your sin. Say, Lord, I don't want to live apart from you. I want to live with you. I want to live as a person who, who rightly praises you and worships you. So, Lord, give me that passion. Let me see your power and let me lift my praise to you. Help me, Lord, to live my life completely for you and, and walk away from sin and, and walk to the Savior. And live your life in His presence. That's, that's what God's calling us to. And, and not, not only personally do we have to gear up for, for, for glory, but corporately. As a congregation, we gear up for glory. And I, I told you last week, I said, there, there's three things I want you to remember. And those three things are this. 
Worship is not a style. It's a lifestyle. I don't come in here and worship by style. If I'm not living that lifestyle of passion for Jesus and understanding the power of Jesus in my life and praising Him in my life on the week that I walk in, it's going to be really hard for me to come in here and worship Jesus because I don't have a lifestyle. Then Then I depend on a style to help me worship. And then I depend on a man to help me worship. And then I depend on my surroundings to help me worship instead of looking to God who is the true one to worship. So lifestyle, not style. And another thing I told you is we don't initiate worship with God. It's not like I came here today and said, God, you better get ready. I'm coming to worship you. I'm going to do something good for you today, God. No, worship is not initiated by us. Worship is initiated by God. God initiates the worship. And you know, worship is not about being entertained. It's about being engaged. Engaging the Spirit of God in a real-life transformational walk. So we don't, we don't, we don't come to enter, be entertained. We, we're not looking to initiate God. And, and, and we're not looking for a style anymore. When we see the God of heaven and all of the throne room activity is pointed towards Him, it's no longer about me and what I want. It's about He. And it's about me getting the right focus of Him and me coming with a heart that says, Lord, I just want to worship You. And I come with a heart yielded and surrendered to worship You as King. So we, we see all these aspects working together and, and leading us to a place of true worship. And we see, as we close out that chapter, chapter 5, we see the final words, and the four living creatures kept saying, they're still saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And they continue to fall down and worship. That old preacher say one time to me, he says, Son, he's like this. Let me tell you about heaven. He said, What's going on today is... Those creatures are looking around and seeing all the things that God's done. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And, and they're crying out to Him. And, and all the elders around, they're circling the throne. And then they just, as they're all circling the throne and looking to God, they fall down in worship of Him. And they lay their crowns on the ground and they gather themselves back up, put their crowns back on, sit down, and all of a sudden God's done something good and glorious again. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the elders, they recognize it and they fall down and worship and lay prostrate before the king, lay their crowns on the ground. And then they put them back on, gather themselves up, and they sit back on the seat. And all of a sudden God's done something glorious and worshipful again. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy. And this continues on and on and on in heaven. And there's a reason for that because God is glorious. God is wonderful. God is doing amazing things in your life and mine. If we'll yield our life to Him, live our life for Him, seek to be a worshiper of Him, He desires us to worship Him. He's worthy of us worshiping Him. And our hearts ought to be in tune to worship the King. I wonder what's separating you today from really experiencing that finish line of the faith, where your eyes are set and your life is set with a vision 
of eternity and you're going towards it and you're working towards it in every aspect of your life, no matter what it is, whether it's, whether it's work or play or whatever it is, life in general, you're thinking about the end, worshiping Jesus. What's standing in the way of you letting that be your focus? Whatever it is, let me just invite you to lay that aside this morning. Lay that aside and focus on the King and say, Lord, of all these things in this world that are good, there's nothing like you. So I lay everything aside for you. I want to worship you, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord, to be a worshiper of you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege to come into your house this morning. And Lord, just open up your word and... Lord, to see a glimpse of glory that you let us see here this morning. God, help us gear up our lives to worship you. And for the day that we'll all stand before you in glory. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here today, and there are probably many, who aren't ready. Lord, if you were to call us right now, there'd be something left we should have done. The most important thing we should do. Be sure our hearts are right before you and we're tuned in to worship and we recognize the value of you and we're pointed towards you, God. So I pray today, right now, those who are here today, those who will hear this message, God, they would look at their own lives and say, am I ready right now? Am I truly geared up for worship, geared up for glory, ready to go see Jesus? And if not, I pray, knowing that you're calling them, you're drawing them and you're longing for a relationship with them, they'll... They'll call out to you today and yield their life to you. Father, for the rest of those that are here, need to make decisions on how to change their lives and be changed by you and transformed to be pure, truer worshipers. God, help us with whatever needs to be removed from our life that's standing in the way of us truly worshiping you. Move in our hearts now, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God loves you. You make a decision today one way or the other. What will you do with Jesus? If you will stand with me, let's respond.
Please pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, it's just a, such an honor here to hear your word and hear the praise sent up to you, Father. And daily as we praise you here, we have clearly seen in Revelation what we can look forward to when we get to heaven. Continued praise. We know we need to do that here on earth, to draw closer to you, to know you more fully. So as we study your word, we just set our hearts on what we got to look forward to. It's so glorious, it's just so hard to imagine, Father. We just thank you for your mercy and your love. And as we uh, collect the tithes and offerings here in the uh, time to come here, we just uh, pray, Father, that the gifts that we collect here will be used to help not only those here locally, but out in the community around the world to come to know you more fully and spread your word to those so that they may come to experience you. We lift this all up. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, 
lot of requests that aren't turned in every week, but we love it when you turn in requests. It helps us uh, to be able to focus our prayers for you. So um, do that for us. And tonight, when we come back together, we were uh, the original plan was to go to worship, uh, worship with Washington Avenue tonight. Uh, something we kind of do annually, but we, we ran into so many challenges. Mark and I just finally said, okay, let's um, plan this for a little later time. So we are not going to do that tonight. But in, in the that was on the calendar, and we kind of planned to not be in the sanctuary tonight. There's some ladies that are and men that are going to decorate us for Christmas, and that was going to take place up to that point. So we're going to meet tonight in, in our chapel. That's on the first floor. I'd love for you to come. Let's fill the chapel up together, and uh, we'll worship there tonight. So uh, looking forward to that time. Don't, don't forget Cultivate tomorrow. And in three weeks, it's hard to imagine, but in three weeks we'll have our Christmas special. Is that right, Ma, uh, Greg? In two weeks? Two weeks. Well, somebody said three. Wow. It's really, oh, yeah, that's the eighth, isn't it? So the eighth. And after our Christmas uh, special that evening, we'll have a, a time together where we, we celebrate and, and um, we'll, we'll be down in our gymnasium and and Fellowship Hall, so just go ahead and plan on being a part of that. Bring your, your neighbors, guests, friends, anybody you know, invite them. Come, it's a great time and a good time to be a part of the church body. So looking forward to seeing you. If there's anything we can do as a church staff to walk through the journey of life with you, if you're hurting, we want to know so we can walk through and love you and encourage you. Love being with you this morning. Hey, we've got a, we've got a glimpse of glory. Let's go gear up for it. Y'all ready? Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together and, and spend this time together, Lord. We, we love you. We want to worship you with our lives. So, Father, help us to be better worshipers. You touch us, Lord. You always do. You, you encourage us. You direct us. 
Help us to receive that and, and want that in our life and move towards being the people you've called us to be. Again, we love you and grateful, God, for all you did on the cross at Calvary for us to free us from our sin, our shame, and our sorrows, and to give us new life in you. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Go with us as we go, God. I pray you hedge your protection around us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Rolling up the middle. There you go. There you go.